Amen. Well, it's been a wonderful time, wonderful time of worship this morning. Thank you, Ryan, so much for uh, leading us. And in Tim's absence, you did a wonderful job. And of course, Barry's children's sermon. Man, how can you follow that? And I uh, did a great job. I'm going to really miss his sense of humor, especially when, when he retires next month. But I want us to take our Bible this morning. I want to turn to Psalm 67. We know that this is the day after Christmas, and I'm surprised that you're here. Thank you for coming so much. You know, and uh, some of what I'm going to be saying today is going to fit right in to the re- all the church, and yet uh, we sort of get a pass today. I mean, it's difficult to come on the day after Christmas, but I want to make this count because this past year, I want to kind of sum up it, 2021 and look forward to 2022 today. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what I want to talk about is something I haven't mentioned in the pulpit for quite some time, and that is the prayer of Jabez. Now, we've been praying that, and sometimes we pray that even in the service, and I've been coming to you uh, every week, in fact, talking to you and emailing you. Excuse me. Man, I enjoyed the worship, but it wore me out this morning. Yeah. been talking to you about the prayer of Jabez uh, by way of um, the internet, just sending you an email. And so every week we've been praying this, and the prayer goes like this. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the name of the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you might would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God, listen to what God said. God didn't say, you know, Jabez, that is the most selfish prayer I think I've ever heard. He said this, God granted what he asked. And so as we prayed the prayer of Jabez as a church, and as you as individuals all year long, even in the midst of COVID, God has richly blessed our church. For example, today, we, after, after today, we baptized in the last eight weeks, 75 people, just in the last eight weeks. Praise God. <clears throat> Our attendance on the internet before COVID was about 150 people. Now it's over a thousand actual people. And then television well, we were in about 5,000, preaching about 5,000 different people every week before COVID. Now it's 10,000. And during the midst of COVID, it was 15. But some people, you know, of course, now are coming back to church. So um, this past Christmas Eve, we took up an offering of $18,000 from you just a couple of days ago. And that's going to be going to feed the, the hungry people in our area for the coming year. And so we praise God for all the things that he has blessed us with. God has, this is a prayer of success. God, I want you to bless me. I want you to, I want to be successful in this life. But you know, success adds value to you. Significance, on the other hand, adds value to those around you. So the question I want to ask you this morning is that as we leave 2021, go into 2022, What is it that we can do differently? How can we build on the prayer of Jabez for the future? I mean, after all, did God just 
Is God just gonna bless us just so we can be a blessing to ourselves, so we can consume it all? Or is there something beyond this that we need to pray for, and is there a reason we need to pray it? Well, I want us to look at Psalm 67 uh, this morning, and as we do this, one of, my, one of my favorite Psalms, it teaches us that God blesses us that we can be a blessing to other people. I wanna read this to you, then we're gonna answer real quickly this morning four different questions as we go into our new prayer for the new year. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. Let's just stop right there for just a moment. As we look at this prayer, there are things that God wants us to pray. I believe that. There's a reason why he wants us to pray it, and then there's a result. And of course, finally, how do you get started in doing all this? First, I want us to see in our passage this morning, just simply this. But what do we wanna pray for this year? What do we wanna pray? You know, this prayer reminds us a lot of the prayer of Jabez, a little different, so I'm gonna explain it. But we look at three things that God wants us to pray during the coming year. Now, let me just say, Psalm 67 is really a mix. The psalmist is, uh, concentrating on two different passages in the Bible, in the Old Testament, as he's writing this. First of all, there's the doxology of Aaron in, in Numbers uh, chapter 6, where it says this, the Lord bless us, bless you rather, and keep you. The Lord make you, his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The second passage is the calling of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you may, will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and dishonor those who dishonor you. I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Notice it says, I am going to bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And so the psalmist now is taking these two concepts, these two passages, and welding them together. And so in this, he prays for three things, and we need to be praying for these as well. May God be gracious to us. Now, the whole idea of grace is, is very broad. It's really God's generosity. It's God's undeserved favor toward us. Everything that we have is from God. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Grace, how do you get grace? I can, I can share with you right now from the Bible. In James chapter four, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the what? The humble. We humble ourselves before God. We say, God, this is what I need. I need the blessing of God on my life. I need the grace of God on my life. Now, how, in what areas do we need that grace? Well, we need grace from God. That's how we get saved in the first place. And everything that we have, after we're saved, it's from the grace of God. But I'm reminded of the Ten Commandments, which I'm gonna be preaching on in a couple of weeks, just kind of going through all 10 of them, but let me give you a hint of what they're all about. They're about relationships. The first four is about your relationship with God. The final six are about your relationship with other people. And so the psalmist, and really us, if I could just take the broader scope of grace just for a moment, we not only need to pray that God would give us grace, but we would also find grace in the eyes of other people. We do. 
How many times are you misunderstood? How many times do you need forgiveness? How, do you, how many times maybe that you need a second chance of things? I remember when this, first, this concept first came to me, I, was, um, I got a phone call from a good friend of mine. He was a member of our church, our last church. His name was Tom. And he called me up and he said, you know, I really need to meet with you, Pastor. I, I need to, to, to run something by you here and I need your prayers. So I went by his office. We talked there in, the, in, his, in his little office. And, and he said, uh, and, and matter of fact, he was a vice president of a very large power company. And so we're meeting in his office and he said, I've got to talk to my boss tomorrow and resign. And I said, really? He said, yes, I'm just going to go in. I'm not going to make any threats. I'm just going to resign because the president of the company, not, well, this was, you know, the, the president of the company, he's going to go talk to a CEO. The guy that's in between him was the president. He's a vice president, president, C, and, and, the, and the CEO leading everything. And so he, went, he goes and talks to a CEO. And, um, and anyway, he was going to go do this, and he said, would you pray for me? And I said, well, tell me about what's going on. And he said, well, we're, the president's doing some, um, some unethical things, and, and I'm not going to stand by. And I, I got a feeling the CEO may be involved in it as well, and I'm just not going to do it. He said, it's not exactly illegal, but it's pretty close, and I'm just going to offer my resignation and tell him what I think about where the company is headed. And I need grace. I need grace in order to go through this. So we prayed. And the next day, he goes and talks to the big boss. And he shares with him that he's going to resign. And he asks him why. I mean, this, you just have to understand, Tom had a wonderful Christian testimony. He walked the walk. Everybody trusted him. He was a hard worker. He had all the foundational things. He wasn't a complainer. He's not just going in and threatening, oh, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm, I'm going to quit. He just graciously just said to his boss, I really don't believe I can work here anymore. I'm, I'm here to hand in my resignation. He says, Tom, we need you. We want you here. What, what's going on? He said, well, if you really must know, I don't like the way the company, where, where the company's going right now. And um, he said, well, tell me about it. And so he told him about it. And he said, well, I, and the boss said, well, I'm not really aware of all this. Let me get back to you. And so he got back to him a couple of days later. He said, well, everything that you said was going on was going on. I fired the president of the company. I'm making you president. Now, that was a pretty large power company. He went on, after we left and came here, he went on to really be president of the largest power company in the Southeast. Now, he had all, and that, you say, well, that's, is that always going to work out that way? No, it's not. But I remember pretty soon after that him just telling a little bit about it, not the whole thing to, his, to, a, to a class on a Wednesday night as I visited there. I just happened to be there that night. And this concept came to me out of Galatians as he was teaching on it. He said, we not only need to pray for God's grace on us, but also to find grace in the hearts and lives of other people, that people would give us grace and we would give them grace. And so this year in 2022, I'm gonna challenge you not only to pray for the grace of God in your own life every day, but the grace and the eyes of others as well. But then I want you to notice the second thing because he says this, he says, Selah, think on these things. Think about it for just a moment. 
Think about the grace of God. Think about the blessing of God. Very similar to our whole uh, prayer with the prayer of Jabez. Lord, bless me indeed. The same word, Barak, which means, God, would you look on me with divine favor? And it's an intense desire. It's praying to really experience all the blessings and all the benefits that God has for us as we walk with God, to receive the inheritance that God wants us to have. God, would you bless me in the way that you want me to be blessed? But then notice the third thing we need to look at. He says that your face would shine upon us. Now, this again comes from Numbers, and it really does have a corporate appeal here because he's praying for the nation of Israel. But he's also praying for personal uh, blessing and, and personal grace. And the whole idea of God's shining upon us is his face. May his face shine upon us. Well, his face in the Bible stands for the very presence of God in our life. That's what it says. Listen to 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We look at Moses coming down from Mount Sinai. What happened to his face? His face was lit up, which showed that he had been in the very presence of God. Dear friends, we need to live in such a way that we're living in the presence of God and that our light would shine forth so much that others would recognize that we're living in the presence of God, that we have been with Jesus. Listen, it's not, just, it's not just enough to go and live a good life. That's all good. But I know a lot of people live, to, live a good life and have lived a good life, at least in my eyes, that have not been Christians. My dad was saved at the age of 42, but he was one of the finest men that I've ever known before the age of 42. And he took pride in it, if you know what I'm saying, as many of us do. And that pride was not the humility that he needed to get that grace, but he was a good man. It says, we need to walk in the presence of God. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life, and the presence is there is fullness of joy. Are you walking in the presence right now of God, where his face is shining on you so much that you have that kind of testimony? Maybe that's what was going on with Tom when he walked in that door, that suddenly this boss, his boss recognized the fact that there's something special going on here. I know that this guy is a Christian and there's something about him coming to me with the very message of God on his lips. Well, this is what we ought to pray. Why should we pray it? God gives us the answer to that. It's not just to consume the blessings, it's to be a blessing to others. Let's look in verse two. That, so that, as a result of, this is what you need to do. This is what it's for. That your way, God, your way may be known on the earth. And he explains what that way is. He says, your saving power among all the nations. Well, the way sort of really talks about, reminds us at least of John chapter 14 and verse six, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but except through me. I am the way. I'm the road to heaven. We need to live in the grace of God, we need to live in the blessings of God, and we need to live in the presence of God so that our life will be so changed and the light of God shine upon our life so much that others would be attracted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That your way, God, may be known throughout the entire world. And even in verse six, 
It says the earth yielded its increase. It's really, this psalm is probably written during harvest season, and he's looking out to the fields, and he says, look at the increase in the fields, but we also need to see the spiritual increase as well. The nation of Israel, their, their original job was to make the way of Christ, or way of God, the, God's salvation, known throughout the Gentile world. Our job as, a, as Christian believers are to do the same, but first we have to have that change on the inside. You know, I was uh, meditating on this, Selah, you know, I was thinking about it this week, and how often I hear someone, especially maybe in a movie, television, something like that, do the, you know, even, even the pastors, you know, then um, talking to people, well, you just need to forgive them, you know? If you don't forgive them, it's gonna be hurtful to you. You know the old thing about the Roman soldiers, you know, mad at God, and they had the arrows going up in the air to try to kill God, and it just came down and killed them? You know, it, it's the bitterness that gets you. You need to forgive them. Psychologists may tell you the same thing. You just, you know, just because you ought to doesn't mean that it's possible. And I'm just giving forgiveness as a, an example. It could be anything. You need to live, a, you know, you need to give up that habit. You need to give up that addiction. Well, yeah, you, you need to do that, and it will be better for you if you do that, but that doesn't mean that it's easy to do or even possible to do. Forgiveness, again. God never says to us that we ought to be in a vacuum and suddenly we ought to make a volitional choice to forgive someone, to give up something, to change our life in any way whatsoever. In fact, how can you forgive someone when your neighboring country has bombed you? How can you forgive someone when you've been molested as a young person? How can you forgive someone who maybe has gotten your, your daughter or son hooked on drugs? Oh, just forgive them. Oh, just give that up. No, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ in the power, the power of God died on the cross for our sins. He was raised again on the third day. He ascended up into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit down to this earth. And if we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of our heart and changes us. That's what this psalm is all about. What happens? God, be gracious to me. Save me. God, bless me even after you've saved me. In fact, make the presence of God known in my life. All the loneliness, make, make sure your presence is there, God. All the times I need forgiveness, make sure it's, your presence is there, God. And it changes your own heart. So you can and want to forgive someone else. So you can and want to give up, up that addiction. So it's not just a New Year's resolution, it's a change of heart. And therefore a change of life. And therefore, when other people look at your life, they see something there that's unusual. They can't put their, their finger on it, their thumb on it. They can't really understand really what it is. But after they talk to you, they realize there's something God-like. There's something supernatural that I don't understand going on, and I'm attracted to that. We, you and I, go out and share the love, the joy, the peace with others, and as we said before, we're like the coming attractions in the window. But we're only that way, not because we just go to church. We go to church in order to grow in Christ and have the presence of God consistently in our life. They're attracted not because of 
the great music that we have, they're attracted because of the coming attractions. They see what's going on in your life, and they know that there's a need deep in their life that they need to address. And you have the answer because of the life change that you've gone through. That's what we need to pray for. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him who they've not believed? And how, they, how can they believe in him whom they have not never heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? We had a, this uh, past year a series of messages on this little booklet, The Best News. You know, we had a lot of people to download, I think hundreds of people, to download that little thing on the back. Are you still giving these out? You still think about that? I mean, Christmas is kind of coming, Thanksgiving even before that. And you think to yourself, well, you know, I, I just need to get back to that. And I call you today to get back to that. Even if all we do is just simply say, hey, look, I'd like to give you this track. There's, there's a QR code on the back. You can scan that. And there's a presentation of what is going on in this booklet. Would you like to take this? Everybody takes it, or pretty much everybody. Everybody so far that I've given it to has taken it. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And as we do that, we understand as God changes our life, the desire there to change others. God says, look, I want to change your life. And not only at salvation, but I want to change your, I want to empower your life every day so that, so that others will be a blessed, get blessed because of you because of you. Wouldn't you like that kind of life? You know, it's amazing to me how, um, especially our young people today, and I say young people, you know how that goes, you know, it's, it gets older and older. Now it's under 40. Anybody that's under 40 is a young person to me. All right? So congratulations if you're 39. That's all I got to say. Um, they want, the millennial generation and those younger want to count for something. And that's why you see this, this expression of, of uh, Things going on. They want to count for something. They know there's something outside of themselves. And they've never been shown, shown the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if that generation ever came to know the Lord, they would set the world on fire. They would. But they've never been shown that. Well, they've been taught that. Many of them have grown up in our churches, but have they been shown that? Because of the change that's taken place, because of the blessing, because of the presence of God and the grace happening in our life and the change that's going about in our life and the power that's going about in our life. They can see there's something about my parent, my grandparent, that, that kid at, at school, that young guy at school or young girl at school, where there's something about their life. Well, what will happen when you pray it? God gets glorified. Look in verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. There's guidance here. There's equity of judgment. Everybody is on the same plane, all, all level at the foot of the cross. But he says also you're going to worship. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Wow, it just, I know that part of this is just the Psalms are songs. And they're, they're in the, they end up in praise so often to God. 
But he's saying this to us in this psalm. He says, you pray that God will be gracious to you, bless you. His presence, of God, the, his presence will be upon your life. His face will shine in your life. It's going to change other people's lives. People are going to be attracted to that and come to know the way of the Lord. And when they do, we will all worship God. You see, it's not only that you're winning a soul to the Lord, if you want to call it that. You're winning a worshiper to God when you lead them to the Lord. And worship is so important, not only to God, but to us as well, to feel that oneness, that encounter with God. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting that our worship services every Sunday really express the gospel. They do. And that's why it's important not to look at them as entertainment, though they may be good entertainment, but as a worship time. For example, we begin to sing, that's a praise to God. God is great. He's loving. And he wants a relationship with us. Doesn't that say to you, God loves you and has a great plan for your life? Doesn't it say that God loves you with an everlasting love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? Doesn't it talk about the love of God there as we sing praise to him? And then the other elements, the prayer, the, the testimony, the baptisms, it's all pointing to the fact that there's a need in our heart. Many of the songs that are meditate, more meditational as we get into the worship service have to do with, God, I'm crying out to you. There's a need in my heart. And knowing that the gospel says we all have a need in our heart for Christ, the reason Christ came to die on the cross for our sins, or, or where he died on the cross was for our sins, to cover our sins, to, so we can have forgiveness of sin. And those kind of songs, that kind of praying, that kind of looking to baptism, really points to that. And then the preaching of God's words, the answer. And I know we don't always preach a gospel message like we did on Christmas Eve, but the gospel period, the Bible period, is the answer to the problem to getting back to walking with God. And then the invitation. My favorite time, you know. The invitation at the end is that response that we have in worship. The invitation do you understand, you know, the gospel? Do you understand what you're, what you're hearing? Yeah, I do. Would you like to receive Jesus into your heart? That's a picture of the invitation that we have at the end of the message. Now, look this way. When you and I, one, one writer said, that, in fact, Tim Keller said this. He says, when we are not participating, when we don't attend, when we're not on time, Okay, and I can say that right now, right? December 26th, it don't count. On time doesn't count on today. It really does. I mean, you had all kinds of trouble getting here. Um, and some of you got, were here early because you thought the service started at 9.30. But that's another story altogether. But he says when you're not attending, not participating, you look at it as entertainment. And so I heard that, started thinking about that. You know, see law, started meditating on it. And I look back at my own life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess here, okay? When I was in college, uh, I lived about 20 minutes away from our church, and I used it kind of an excuse to be late. It, most of the time, I went to small group first. I was always late for small group. And sometimes when I had uh, something happen, I skipped small group or whatever, I was usually late for the service. And someone told me one time, he says, you know, Dwayne, you're going to pastor one day. It's all going to come back to haunt you. 
And so I looked back and I said, you know, I didn't look at it as entertainment. I started thinking about it for just a moment. I had no idea back then how to worship. I just came, familiar hymns, the choir, man, it was really good, just like our choir's really good. Love to hear the choir number, the occasional solo, always fired me up. The, I love the preaching. Bill Ricketts could really deliver the word of God. I loved it. Invitation, I loved it. I mean, people coming forward to get saved. You know, back then, always a public invitation. And for me, I'm just saying, for me, it was probably entertainment. Because, like, coming into a worship service or not attending or not participating or not, not really being here on time, which, what are we saying about not being on time? Well, I'm skipping that fact that God loves me. I'm just going to go straight to the fact that I'm a sinner. I'm going to skip the first two and just come up with the answer, even though I don't understand the problem. With a worship service walking us through the gospel, we can't leave any of the gospel out. And when the gospel is completed, God has called us to worship. Not just hear what's going on, unless, of course, you're not a believer or a new believer, and you don't know how. You're, you're warming up to it. But the goal is to win worshipers and to really worship the Lord. So, I want to call on you this year to learn to worship, to come with an open heart. You don't have to raise your hands. In fact, you know, I used to think raising your hand, man, somebody was, somebody was asking a question or something, you know, and I, I didn't want to do that. But to come with a sense of this is not entertainment, God, even though it's wonderful. And um, you say, well, Pastor, why are you bringing all this up? Because I don't want you to starve while sitting at the dinner table. Okay? I don't want you to starve or to go hungry while sitting at the dinner table. Lastly, in verses 6 and 7, as I close this message, how do you get there? It says the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. You come to a place of worship and then awesome fear. A fear. So how can you best explain that? Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but have you ever been in a situation where you've been in the same room with a killer dog and the owner's there and you think, okay, I know I'm all right, but are you relaxed? Suppose you went and visited someone during the Christmas season or maybe for a New Year's Eve party and all of a sudden their pet walks through the door and it's a lion. And the owner said, oh, don't pay any attention. He's just a little teddy bear. You know, he just wouldn't hurt us. So never, he's never bitten anybody. Oh, he's never clawed anybody. Oh, you've declawed him. No, he's still got his claws. You defanged him. No, he's still got his fangs. You may sit there the whole night, but you're going to have one eye open toward that lion the whole time. Nothing to fear, but there's something about it that you know there's something in the room that's far more powerful than you, who, if they wanted to, could take you out. How is the fear of God? You walk before his presence. You walk before his presence, and you realize, like Peter, as I explained New Year's Eve night, when he saw all the fish in that net, he turned to Jesus, and Jesus had a smile on his face, his real calm. 
he suddenly realized who God, who Jesus Christ really was. And he fell to his knees. He said, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. The awesomeness, the fear in a good way. Oh, he's not going to harm me. But he could, and it's just so awesome. And, and the po- point of being hurt is not, the, is not the point. The point of being so powerful, so powerful that you could not even imagine it. And that's the way God is in your life, or could be. And the Bible calls us to that gospel, the way of salvation, which is receiving Jesus Christ into your life. And I know that you may be saying, well, I don't think you ought to proselyte everybody. Well, you're asking me to become abnormal. That's what you're asking me to do. Never sharing the gospel, become abnormal. Because there's no one that I know that doesn't come across the greatest news they've ever heard and want other people to know about it. Some of you on Facebook, you, you put things up there that's not even that great of news. I mean, it's not that great. You know, your, your dog got a haircut or something like that. And, you know, your, one of your children won, won a ribbon. I mean, it's good. But you want to share it, right? You want to share it. When we've got the greatest news in the world, not to share it, you're asking me to be abnormal. Because, listen, you, people may reject it. People may say, well, I'm not interested. They just don't know. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know what they're looking for. That's why you've got to show them in your life what they're looking for and then with your lips actually explain the answer to the problem. And everyone feels the same way. Why do you think we have superhero moves? We went, uh, Pam and I went to see uh, Spider-Man, the new universe or whatever it is. And uh, I'm not saying I recommend the movie. I don't say I rec- don't recommend the movie. I might watch it again and regret I even mentioned it. I don't know. But it reminds me of something. Whether it's a fairy tale, as J.R.R. Tolkien talked about uh, in one of his books, or a superhero movie, or just simply a detective movie, or we all understand the fact that we have a need. There's a danger, and we need rescuing. And the superhero comes along and rescues someone, and we all applaud. We all love that movie. Action-packed, yes, but the victory was won at the end. Why is it we're so attracted to that? Because innately, deep within us, we know we have a need to be rescued. But, the, but most of us want superpowers, don't we? Even on Facebook, you say, well, what's your favorite? Su-? If you had one superpower, Choose, what, what, which one would it be? You know why we want superpowers? We want superpowers so we can rescue ourselves. And the spiritual realm, folks, you can't rescue yourself. You come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord by the grace of God. How? By humbling yourself before God and receiving Jesus Christ to save you. Would you do that now? Would you do that with heads bowed and eyes closed. We've seen these many this morning, eight, 10 people get baptized. And you can be one of those too. But first, first you have to receive Christ into your life and your heart. And I want to invite you right now to pray this prayer with me. And you can pray it silently as I pray aloud. Lord God, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for going to the cross and dying for my sins. I open up my heart. I ask you to come in. 
Rescue me now. Rescue me, Lord. I, I, I can't save myself. There's no work I can do to help myself. I'm humbling myself before you and asking you, Lord, would you save me today? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.